Good morning. This is Bishop Phoebe Roche of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee, and welcome to Faithfully Memphis. Each week on WYXR 91.7, I have the opportunity to interview an interesting guest to learn about their life and the role of faith, as well as their work and their ministry. And we always start the show with the saint of the day. And today we are celebrating St. Vincent of Saragossa. Vincent was actually a deacon in the church uh, from northeastern Spain, and he was ordained by Valerius, who was the bishop of Saragossa in the, um, I would say, late 200s, and he was commissioned to preach throughout the diocese. Well, during the tenure of Bishop Valerius and Deacon Vincent, a persecution was ordered by the Roman emperors. And so both men were arrested and put in prison. Now, it turns out that Bishop Valerius had a speech impediment, and he often called upon Deacon Vincent to preach for him. So when the two men were challenged to renounce their faith, Deacon Vincent answered for both of them, and they had no intention of betraying their faith in God. So it turns out that uh, the persons who were conducting this uh, interrogation were so upset at what Deacon Vincent had to say that while they exiled Bishop Valerius, they tortured the deacon, and actually um, he was killed in the year 304. But the story about Deacon Vincent's strong testimony spread rapidly throughout the early church, and he was venerated as a bold and outspoken preacher and a witness to the truth of the living Christ. You know, Deacon uh, Deacon. Vincent is in a long line of deacons who were willing to speak truth to the power. In fact, the very first deacon mentioned in the New Testament is Stephen, and he is acknowledged as the first Christian martyr. Stephen was one of seven deacons appointed by the apostles to distribute food and aid to poor members of the community in Jerusalem. His teachings about Jesus upset some members of the synagogues, and he was put on trial for blasphemy. During Stephen's trial, he delivered a powerful speech denouncing the Jewish authorities who were judging him, and he was then stoned to death. This event was witnessed by a certain Saul of Tarsus, who later became known as the Apostle Paul after his own conversion. And he went from persecuting the followers of Jesus to becoming one of the most important apostles of the church. Later this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to talk with one of my deacons, Deacon Drew Woodruff of St. Mary's Cathedral here in Memphis. Now, I certainly don't want to suggest that all deacons become martyrs, but I think the stories of Deacon Vincent and Deacon Stephen are reminders that there is always a price to pay when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so now our first hymn of the morning is going to be Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace How sweet the sound That
What a beautiful rendition of Amazing Grace by Leanne Rhymes. So this morning, I have not one, but two special guests in the studio with me. Deacon Drew Woodruff is the vocational deacon serving at St. Mary's Cathedral here in Memphis. He is very involved in all of the cathedral's outreach ministries, including the Haitian Medical Mission and their work with our homeless neighbors. And we also have Sid, who is a faithful volunteer, but also a former professional wrestler known as Sid Vicious or Psycho Sid. (laughs) Now, Sid, I have to say, I don't want to blow your cover, but your stage persona must be very different from the real you because I have just experienced you as a loving, gentle, gracious person. So good morning to Deacon Drew and Sid. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about St. Mary's and their various outreach ministries that we're involved with. And thanks for Sid for being here because I tease him sometimes that he's my bodyguard. (laughs) Nobody's going to mess with him. That's right. (laughs) So I'd like to start off by having each of you maybe just tell me a little bit about where you grew up and um, the role of faith uh, in your life when you were growing up. And you... You're going to have to get close to the mic so we can hear you. Yes, ma'am. Um, I grew up about three blocks from here, actually. And I can recall when I was a little boy coming to see Santa at the old Sears building. It was quite a treat to come here at one time or the other. I uh, went to Central High School, class of 69, uh, Memphis State University, class of 80. And then I went to MTS and that was class of 2005 to get my Master of Arts in Religion. Uh, I was assigned by Bishop Don Johnson to St. Mary's Cathedral as their vocational deacon, and I served alongside two fine examples of the diaconate, uh, Reverend Nancy O'Shea and then Reverend Carol Gardner. Nancy has retired now, and Carol moved to Nashville to be with her daughter. But I trained under the best, including Mimsy Jones, of course, the Archdeacon of the Diocese of West Tennessee. Uh, A vocational deacon is a special calling, somebody that has one foot in the world and one foot in uh, in the spiritual world. We work a regular job during the week. In fact... The company I worked for for 38 years is just right mm-hmm. down at the west end of this building called Nexair, one of the finest family-owned welding supplies in the whole country, and they treated me very well, and I'm always in debt to them. And uh, I was assigned to St. Mary's, like I said, uh, because we were at the, at that time we were in the process of having an interim dean. And they wanted somebody there that knew where all the bodies were buried. So uh, I was assigned to St. Mary's, and I've been there since then, since 2007. What I'd like to do, and people that don't realize what a deacon is in the Episcopal Church, I just read a small portion of our vows that we take before God and before the bishop. Yes. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are to serve all people, particularly the poor, the weak, 
the sick, and the lonely. As a deacon in the church, you are to study Holy Scriptures, to seek nourishment from them, and to model your life upon them. You are to make Christ and his redemptive love known by your word and example to those among whom you live, work, and worship. You are to interpret the church, the needs and concerns and hopes of the world, and assist the bishop any way you can. And that is what we do. We bring the concerns of the world to the church and to the attention of the bishop. And she has been very involved in what we're doing on Wednesday mornings in conjunction with Constance Abbey, which is a ministry to our folks that live in the neighborhood. And on Saturday morning, our pop-top ministry, which is why she invited me and said to, to talk about that particular ministry. And um, I can't take credit for the start of this ministry. It was actually started by my first wife, God rest her soul, Linda um, Gail McCarty and Pat Stowe and the Daughters of the King. Mm -hmm. And the, if you don't not familiar with the Daughters, they are a prayer and service group for women. And uh, what happened was people would come to the diocesan house and knock on the door looking for food during the week. Our, since our kitchens were shut down during the week, they came up with the idea of handing out a prepackaged bag of food that would give somebody a good, solid meal at that time. And it started out with 10 to 12 bags during the week, and it has since morphed over the last 25 years into this enormous undertaking of handing out 100 to 150 bags a week on a busy mm -hmm. Saturday morning. Uh, I owe a great deal of thanks to the Mid-South Food Bank, and if you're not familiar with them, they are feeding thousands of people every week with the food donated by the major grocery retailers. I pick up food there and generally I get enough food at the Mid-South Food Bank often for no cost at all to pack 100 or 150 bags. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really makes it good since I retired from Nexair, I don't have to spend any out of pocket money for the food. Right. Well, thank you for that overview, um, Deacon Drew. Before I turn it over to Sid, um, Deacon Drew did read a portion of uh, the vows of a deacon from the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer. And just so our listeners know, um, there are two types of deacons. There is uh, the vocational or permanent deacon, which is what Deacon Drew is. And there are also transitional deacons, which is what I was. Uh, and whether you are a vocational deacon or a transitional deacon, you have the same ordination liturgy and you make the same vows. All Episcopal priests were first deacons, typically from six months to one year. And then they have their priestly ordination. And so now that I am a bishop, I've actually had three ordinations uh, as a transitional deacon, as a priest, and now as a bishop. But, you know, once a deacon always a deacon in my opinion and you always carry that love for those who are on the margins in your heart because so much of Jesus's ministry was modeled on that so now I'd like to pass the mic over to Sid and have him tell us a little bit about um, 
where he grew up. I believe there's an Arkansas connection. And, you know, I'm from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So we'll learn a little bit about his background and how he got involved in this ministry. Well, real quick, I'm from Arkansas, Joiner, Arkansas, where my family's originally from. And that's where I, where I got the connection to church. It was from my Joyce, Joyce Good, who uh, went to Liberty University. Mm-hmm. She just passed away recently. Uh, started the first AIDS clinic in the state of Florida mm. called Comprehensive, Comprehensive Healthcare, uh, which my uncle still runs today. So anyway, I was looking for a church to go and got going there. So I'm going to give everyone a rundown of layman terms what Drew just said from my point of view. So I sit in the back of the church. I'm watching Drew. Now, I didn't realize how educated Drew was and how smart he was. and um, So I always, I'm bad with names, and so I put nicknames on people. So I look at Drew, and I said, okay, I love his reading, and one of the things I loved about it the most was the lisp that he had. And he had a few teeth missing at the time. He's got <laughs> new teeth now. So I said, okay, hey, there's my favorite guy right there, the Holy Hillbilly. So the, I, Holy I, Hill the Holy Hillbilly. Now, he hates that when I say it to him because... He likes to think of him as a city guy here from Memphis, which he lives in Mississippi. I'm not going to argue with him about that. <laughs> now, uh, so I got, I, I watched his pop tops, and I like uh, also, you know, for my aunt, I said, here's a way to give. She was a giver. Mm-hmm. And if we do good things, we get closer to God, and God's the source. The only difference between God and good is one O. So I figured mm-hmm. I'll do something good here. So it was a lot of fun. This is the cool thing about showing up at pop tops for me. Mm-hmm. I just give a couple stories. Uh, one, there's a lady there that comes here. We call her Mother King. Yes. Now, Drew's saying he started this ministry, and I'm going to beg to differ with him because she told me the story about some of these ministries that started here in Memphis. Now, Mother King, her ministry is walking around mm-hmm. and praying as she walks around. Now, since I've been going to St. Mary's, she's told me all these stories of walking. She says, Sid, you know, in 19... I'm just making up. Yeah. I was in Orange Mound, and look at it now. It's mm. really nice. Oh, wow, that's, that's great, you know? And then... 1972, I was walking by this church here on Wednesday morning, so I thought, wow, they need pop-tops here, you know, and so and then stuff like that. So uh, then she says, you know, time I was walking with Martin Luther King, and then, you know, one time I walked over here, and these people were healing. So I said, you know, I thought to myself, wow, I've got to uh, jump in here, too, and see mm-hmm. if I can't be a part of this. So I said, uh, Mother King, uh, I'll sound crazy asking this. I said, but, uh, you know, I'd like to volunteer for some of this walking you're doing. When is this going on? And she looked at me like I lost a mind. She said, well, when I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, uh, here's a really cool story about her, too. Is like she started this drive years ago about raising stuff for the Pop Tops containing, usually these bags contain two cans of Vienna sausages, a pack of crackers, a bottle of water, maybe a moon pie, maybe one other thing. And that's all they get. So, but, again, that's something they can eat right, right then. So she's going to have this uh, ministry where she's going to raise these these gifts for us. And uh, me and Drew sit there. It was like a three-hour deal. We're like, oh, man, she's not going to have any. Because it's people that are need, they're giving for the most part. So they can't give, you're thinking. Right. right? And we all think about that story of the Bible, how God or Jesus took three fish and a loaf of bread and ended up with more. And by the end of that day, that table was sagging in. Wow. And uh, we were so happy to see that, weren't we? But those are the great things that, you know, going to Pop Tops can bring you. We also know, too, just the act of giving Mm -hmm. is the same as receiving. And the endorphins that it gives us are the same. Meaning this, if we see someone on the street, I know if we give them five bucks or a quarter, 
that person, you know, we receive it. But anybody who witnesses that act of giving receives it too. So, mm-hmm. again, when Drew's out there in the mornings, that's the only thing about Pop Tots that really does bother me a little bit is the loneliness of his look on his face when he's looking down Poplar left and right, the east and west, of how, you know, the desperate of that. And he always reminds me of the situation we're in in this country that 10 families own the majority of this wealth. And still we can't give people the simple things mm-hmm. as a couple of cans of Vienna sausages. So, but it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. It's uh, something I, I missed when the pandemic was going on. And I'm really glad that we are able to start doing this again. Thank you, Sid. You know, that's actually a great transition because one of the questions I wanted to ask either of you can answer is now that we're in the midst of COVID, how has that impacted the outreach, outreach ministries at St. Mary's Cathedral? Well, it, it has had a, a real impact on it in that uh, we can't have our Wednesday morning worship like we used to have and then our hot breakfast on Wednesday morning where we were serving well over 100 people. It was elbow to elbow in our chapel, uh, standing room only. And we would feed the people after the Eucharist on Wednesday morning, a short service, and then they would line up and receive their food and seconds if seconds were available everybody nobody went away hungry on that so when when the COVID hit we had to do away with our hot breakfast and we moved pop top from saturday to wednesday as a substitute at the time and now that we formed an alliance with constance abbey which is on hamlin street um just uh, just down the street from the cathedral uh, they're furnishing sausage and biscuits and oranges and so on to our guests. And then we move Pop Top, Pop Top back to Saturday. The reason we call it that is because every can that we put in the bags has a pull tab on it. So nobody needs a can opener to open anything. Mm-hmm. And we put in, a, uh, like Sid said, a sleeve of crackers, two meats of some sort or other, uh, potato chips if we can get it, um, sweets and a little fruit cup that you get at, um, that you send your kids to school with, and a bottle of water, of course, which Mark Talley, who has been another faithful mentor, uh, minister for Pop Top, has been furnishing bottled water for us for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bag is wrapped, so we're not touching any food. Uh, it's completely touchless. We set up a table outside. We pass the bags out outside, so... There's no chance of uh, any COVID being spread mm-hmm. from our guests or from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder, over the years that you all have been involved in this ministry, if each of you all might share a story or two about what you have learned from the people that you have been working with and ministering with. Well, the what strikes me so much sometimes is the the utter desperation of people that'll stand in line in the summer, particularly in the summer when it's hot, even at eight o'clock in the morning for an hour to receive this meager fare that we offer. That tells me that they're really hungry, that they have no other source of food on Saturday morning. And it it really, it's quite depressing sometimes Mm -hmm. that in the richest country in the world where even in Memphis where we pour, throw away more food that would feed an army uh, these folks are lining up 
standing in line for sometimes an hour mm -hmm. to receive what we're giving. Yeah. And had they ever imparted any words of wisdom to you? Yeah, I've had guys that have no money in their pocket other than a, a, some coins to rub together. They'll hand me money to put in the plate. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, 2 or $3 is a lot of money to these uh, folks that are sleeping on our porch at St. Mary's or sleeping over in Morris Park mm -hmm. or trying to scratch up $6 to stay in the mission for a night. Mm-hmm. And Sid, what about you? What are some of the things that you have learned over the years through working with the ministry? I learned this. First, when you think about going to help or be a part of something cool like this, you think, you know, I've got this great want to be there. Well, when you get there, that's the first thing you notice. You're the only one. No one else really wants to be there. Mm -hmm. We have to remember this, too. They're not there because they want to. They're there because they have to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we do, we see that. We see, the thing that bothers me the most is the, the women and then the children. Mm -hmm. We don't see a lot of children, but we, we'll see them once in a while. And uh, they'll be, we'll, they'll ask for, can we take a bag to our children mm -hmm. or to our, our mother who can't be here because she's in a wheelchair? And then I did see uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a gentleman who, again, he, you could tell he didn't have any money, he pulled out a couple of dollars and gave it to Drew. Mm -hmm. um, it was right there at Christmas time, and uh, Drew has a hard time doing it now. To me, this is sort of funny, but it's probably not. It's the look on Drew's face when they're trying to get his money. And this is what this is sort of funny, but it's not. I try to laugh at things. If, you see, Drew, he's like that guy, the angel on It's a Wonderful Life, mm -hmm. you know? So he's sitting there, and the guy's, this is real life now. The guy's asking for Drew's last 49 cents. And Drew's got his hand in his pocket, and he's looking at me like, I'm supposed to say no to this, right? Because we're supposed to say no. He's going, the guy's going to go through. She's going, but oh, I don't know. He's reaching deeper, but I'll go with it. Okay, here it is. And that's it. That's yeah. what he did. But those, to me, even though it sounds a little dread and stuff like that, to me, it's a great sight. Mm -hmm. You know, and like yesterday, he gets a cup of coffee to take down to a guy who has no legs and was trying to build a fire. Of course, they run him off the police every time he gets there and he couldn't get the coffee. So, those are the disappointing things to see mm -hmm. him when he gets disappointed because he's been in it so long, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I was telling him the other day a story about me visiting the VA a lot when this man I knew was suffering from cancer. And just my last day being there, I was walking out and I just started throwing up. Hmm. And I didn't know why because I guess I've seen all the – and I'm, I don't throw up. Yeah. So, it's like this. so I asked him, I said, has this ever happened to you? He says, well – only throwing up when I see you. I said, what? <laughs> and I said, no, no. He says, no, not throwing up, but no depression. Yes. You know, so, and probably throwing up after he sees me. But uh, no, but it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of good stories to it, too. So it's yeah. not all dreadful and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like Sid, seeing the person give up their last couple bucks and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, what I did, and I'm not bragging. So I just went up to the gentleman, because it was around Christmas time, and I gave him 20 bucks. I said, yeah. here it is, you gave, now you're getting back. Right. You know, and, uh, but that's what it is. It's just a great ministry, Pop Tops, like you said. The Pop Top stands for that. Just pop off the thing, you mm -hmm. get a bite of food mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. And to see these people, too, at 6 and 7 in the morning, enjoying cans of Viennas mm -hmm. <laughs> right, mm -hmm. right there, yeah. tells you something, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know. But listen, everybody's doing a good job. I'm glad COVID's starting to we're fight through COVID. This was a way for Drew, I know, too, because he couldn't get there. Now that we are back there now, and the numbers are starting to show back up. So if anybody wants to, um, 
to do a donation. Now, I haven't even told you this, but I'm going to say it today because we're on a radio station. I have been on my podcast pushing for I'm helping people with fitness, and if they do this, they'll send in a donation, then I'll keep a tab on stuff like that. We don't have a lot right now, but we're collecting a couple of dollars here and there. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do. You do a little bit, raise a little bit, do what you can, and we all would appreciate it. That's a great uh, segue because there might be people who are listening to the show this morning who never even heard about this ministry. So, Deacon Drew, if someone was interested in either, uh, I mean, are there opportunities for people to actually come and be physically present and serve? But if not, if they wanted to give some food items or a cash donation, how could they get involved? Well, we do have some outside groups uh, involved, and I would... uh say particularly One Mouth at a Time, which is a group of ladies that were involved particularly before COVID struck, uh, collecting Vienna sausages, uh, trunk loads full. And uh, we've had some sock and shoe drives for Constance Abbey and Manor House. We did uh, gift bags that for at Christmas time that the ladies of the church got together and passed out. Just anything, any little thing can make a real difference in somebody's life. A note in each bag or a card that says uh, Jesus loves you. Um, If they want to come, we're there. We'll be outside the church on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. You'll see us. You can park on Poplar. You don't have to uh, park in the parking lot and walk. Just come and see us and see what's going on. it's, it is St. Mary's longest-running continuous ministry for the last at least 25 mm-hmm. years. So Saturday morning at 8 or Wednesday morning at 8? At, at 8. Okay. And that's inside with the uh, sausage and biscuits that uh, uh, Constance Abbey mm-hmm. is furnishing to uh, the church. Got it. And so for those who are listening, uh, St. Mary's Cathedral is located at 700 Poplar Avenue. Now, on a slightly different note, we are here at WYXR, Raised by Sound, which is focusing on Memphis music. I wonder if each of you all might just share, what are you listening to right now on your car radio or your iPod or whatever? What what are you listening to? Well, I'm unfortunately, I'm a political junkie. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening to Sirius XM. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, obviously a talk show, so you're not listening to a lot of music, is what you're telling me, Deacon Drew. That's yeah. correct. Okay, well, I, I did get some John Baptiste CDs for my okay. wife for Christmas, and she says when I get my blood pressure up too high from listening to politics, <laughs> I should put on John Baptiste. Yes, and bring it back down. All right, so Sid, what are you listening to? Well, my favorite station in Memphis is the Weevil. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to this on the way this morning, and it always has, you know, music's is so cool to me. I love music. As a kid, I thought I wrote music. I tried to and get it published and never got a chance. But I um, heard a great song this morning. I forget the artist's name. It's on uh, Melody's version uh, segment's called Music City Reveille, I think it was called. But the song was called Jesus in Three Quarter Time. Mm-hmm. What a great song. But that's what I listen to. I listen to stuff like that now. On Saturday mornings, well, again, I, on Saturdays, I think of him when I listen to this. It's a segment called the Bluff City Barn Dance. It's the best of bluegrass. But they've got the best music. They've been the best station in Memphis for over 47 years. Mm-hmm. It's a different genre of music. There's no commercials. 
for instance, there's two really great people in there. On Wednesdays from 10 till 2 is a guy named Bashful Bob in a short enough country hour. Now, he's been dead for almost 10 years, but they keep airing him. I probably wouldn't listen to the station without him and another person is uh, called Captain Pete's Blues Cruise. It comes on Fridays. Hmm. Now, he's been dead for 20-something years, but the blues, it's just he gives you chill bumps. And the way they lead into the shows, like uh, Lonnie, who does uh, the rockabilly before that, he'll go, you know, we're going into Pete's Blues Cruise, and it'll be 9.15, and Pete will go, well, it's 9.15, it's old Captain Pete here. <laughs> so I, that's what I listen to. It's a great uh, station, great music, and uh, you're never going to hear the same song twice, maybe in a year. Got it. Now, Sid, I do have to ask you, how does a guy from Arkansas end up with an amazing career in entertainment such as yours? That's got to be a short version of that story. <laughs> well, it, it sort of is. I, I was just in the gym one day, and uh, uh, some wrestlers in the gym saw me and said, man, you need to get into this, and uh, that's pretty much what happened. I never watched wrestling as a kid. Now, the things that helped me in the wrestling business were the things that how I was brought up, you know, from the farm life, you know, hard working and mm-hmm. things like that. And I didn't take myself that serious. Yeah. Uh, no, and two, uh, I hate to break a lot of wrestling people's hearts, but wrestling is uh, predetermined. So it wasn't like I was really hitting a home run for, you know, for a baseball team. Well, yeah. I wish I would have been doing something like that. So I, I didn't ever take it serious, but uh, what a life and what a, uh, uh, I never got a chance to go to college. But this was an education that college couldn't have given you. Yes. Excellent. So um, as we're thinking about concluding, I wonder, you know, you all are dealing with some of the most vulnerable members of society. And for each of you all, we're going to start with Deacon Drew. What gives you a sense of hope? What is it that is um, allowing you to have joy and to not be so discouraged by the events of the world? Well, my hope is uh, that uh, one day nobody will show up. Yes. Nobody will be hungry. Nobody will need two cans of Vienna sausage to get them through the day. That the, our government will look after the least of these people. You know, if you haven't been to St. Mary's, you know we're in the poorest zip code in the city and one of the poorest cities in the country and the need is there but the churches alone the downtown churches association alone cannot cope with the numbers of people that need our services mm-hmm. thanks and Sid what's giving you a sense of hope right now well things like he said earlier about the ministry with the ladies that help us in one mouth at a time uh, there was another ministry coming from Methodist that helped us once in a while with hot meals. If we, that's hope, right? There's a bunch of different things for hope. Okay, we could hope that more people will get involved. Mm-hmm. We could hope that uh, in that situation, show, show up. We hope that people will send in donations. He did not. Drew didn't uh, cover that. Where could you send in a donation if you were uh, able to? Uh, you can send it and mark your check for Pop Top. It'll go into that account. Send it to 700 Poplar Avenue, Memphis, 38105, St. Mary's Cathedral. So those are the things, Miss Beebe, I think, would mm-hmm. give us hope. Uh, showing up every Saturday mm-hmm. and hoping I could get there more, one more Saturday and hoping that someone else would get involved, hoping we could get on into the radio show or maybe just that's the hope. Now, the thing is for his hope that we'll never have to give another meal, that's not going to happen. 
we could hope that we can find that it eases up, mm-hmm. you know, that it doesn't become such a struggle to do that. Those are the things that will help this ministry get done. You know, he doesn't have to worry to give out two cans of Viennas. Now, we've been really lucky, or he has, in the last year or so that Memphis Food Bank has got involved. Mm-hmm. Until then, you know, Drew's been paying 50 cents a can of Viennas. You add that up to 10, 10 years, I think that's 250,000 cans of Viennas. And that's coming out of, and he doesn't like saying this, out of a welding supply salesman's pocket, okay? Now yeah. he's retired, so this is coming out of his pocket. No one else is helping him with this, right. pretty much. You know that. You know that. Right. So, again, when someone, that's what I hope. So I want to hear this simple man with a simple message and give out a simple, you know, just do something simple. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you all, not just for being on the show, but more importantly, for the ministry that you're both engaged in. You know, as Episcopalians, we believe that... Um, all of the baptized have a ministry. You don't have to have a little $20 white plastic collar to be uh, God's representative in this world. So thank you for your ministry. And I thought an appropriate song to follow this conversation would be Lean On Me by Bill Withers.
So um, the next segment of the show is entitled Stump the Bishop. And I've gotten a really great question, which is, Bishop, what is your favorite prayer and when do you usually pray? So there are so many different ways of praying and probably the person is thinking, um, when you're in your room, you know, on your knees. Uh, And I certainly do that sort of prayer. Um, I always include the Lord's Prayer because, of course, when the disciples asked Jesus, how should we speak with God? Jesus was the one who gave them the Lord's Prayer. There's also the Jesus Prayer. Um, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me a sinner. And that is a prayer that you can recite over and over again to put your heart and mind in a correct posture with God. Um, There's also uh, a prayer of examine that I have been doing a modified form of that comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola or the Jesuits, one of the orders of Catholic priests and monks. And um, that is a prayer that is typically done in the evening. So I am more likely to say my prayers at the end of the day, as I am reflecting upon the events of the past day, uh, and lifting up to God, uh, the things that I'm grateful for, as well as the things that are Uh, still undone, unfinished, uh, things that may be weighing on my mind. Um, I have lots of things to pray about, not only the state of the world, but uh, my diocese and my clergy and the people of West Tennessee. Um, But then, of course, uh, apart from my role as an ordained person, I'm a sister and a niece and an aunt and a friend. And so I have family members and friends uh, who have their own health issues or other sorts of things that they're dealing with. And so I have my own personal prayer list. 
But I just want to remind everyone that prayer is basically, in my opinion, an intentional reaching out to God. So you can pray when you're walking. You can pray when you are gardening. Uh, You can pray through music. And in fact, what I've heard is that uh, when you sing, you're praying twice. You can pray through art. Um, You can pray through journaling. So prayer is a lot more than at night in the privacy of your own bedroom on your knees. That certainly is one type of prayer, but it isn't the only type of prayer. So any activity that you are engaging in where you are opening your heart and your mind to God and seeking God's presence, that is a prayer. So ideally, every waking moment of our life would be a prayer. Oh. Uh-huh. 
What a beautiful rendition of that song. So I want to give you all an update about the wonderful work of Emily Austin and Jeff Hewlett, who uh, are really the first persons who help us put this show together. And what they have been doing is adding the audio for this show to Spotify and other podcasts. So Please do look for Faithfully Memphis and WYXR on Spotify or any of the platforms that you use for listening to podcasts and also consider following us on social media so that we can share the word uh, about this show. Um, sometimes social media can get a bad rap uh, for being negative, uh, and we all know about the crazy anonymous comments that sometimes people will leave on social media platforms. But I think at the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee, we believe in the power of social media to be a source of positive change in the world. And so we're always looking for ways to increase our bandwidth and to spread the good news of God. And for us, God as manifested in Jesus Christ uh, as broadly and widely as possible. So until next week, my sisters and brothers, stay safe and stay positive.
Hello, Memphis. This is William Bell. You're listening to the station with the city show, WYXR 91.7 FM. And you know, I would know. Hear the love chimes, and that's a clear sign. You know it must be my time. I've got to make you mine. I just woke up yesterday. the telephone 